You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. All right, Mike Roberts here. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The Homeschool Dropout. Today, I have Jake Brown with me. Jake and I met actually in Oregon, out in Portland, while he was living here. He is a dentist, went to OHSU, graduated in 2018, and then just been working as a general dentist since. Correct. I didn't actually know that Jake was homeschooled until I started the show. So Jake, really good to have you here. I know you're back in Utah. I'm pretty sure it's just dumping snow out there right now. You've probably got one or two feet, I think, in the valley. Is that right? Definitely. It's a, it's a winter wonderland right now. People <laughs> talk about great skiing in Utah, but... Currently, that's right out of your front door. You can ski down to the post office or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, having grown up in Utah, you know, it's on our license plate. It says best snow on earth. And I thought that was just something that like small towns always have world's best shake or world's best burgers. I thought that's what we were doing. But after moving out to Oregon, I realized it really is the best snow. Oregon snow is very wet and very heavy, and it's hard to get down the mountain. But Utah is beautiful best snow it's so light so fluffy all right well let's get into things here jake you were homeschooled i think mostly for junior high but why don't you take it away walk listeners through your experience there and what kind of drove the homeschooling for you absolutely so i feel like my homeschooling experience was a little bit unique the focal point of homeschooling was was not actually the education aspect which is typically the decision driving people to homeschool their children. They want to have a different curriculum or have more control over the curriculum. My case is a little bit unique, and so I'll dive into that story a little bit. Uh, Essentially, it was a a situation where the junior high school had some corruption in the the leadership of the school. And some of that, without going into too much detail, ended up in some targeting of my family and potential bullying situations between administration and my parents. And so to avoid any conflict that would result in me as a, a young child taking the blunt of that, my parents decided to, to homeschool me. Now, if there was another school system nearby, that, that would probably would have been the, the, their choice. They weren't necessarily trying to sign me up for homeschooling for the purpose of homeschooling <laughs> as much as, as to not go to that junior high. In a small town of truth or consequences, New Mexico, there just wasn't uh, Wait, what another... Is it called? <laughs> Trinidad Consequences, New Mexico. It, it actually exists. It was named after a, a game show. No way. <laughs> That's a real city, a real town. It is, it is, it is a real town. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Where is that? How do I locate that on a map? There's Santa Fe, there's Albuquerque, and then Truth and Consequences. You know, a couple hours south of Albuquerque, about two hours. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So you're way, is it okay if I say you're way out there? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Which, yes, yeah, a two and a half hour drive to Albuquerque to go to school every day was not a feasible option. So I see. So there was really only one middle school in your town. And so when this issue arose where there was conflict at school between your family and the administration or what have you, there really wasn't another option. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. so they decided to homeschool me for that time period and then send me back to the high school. Once I started the program, I realized that 
there were some things that really worked well for me. Like I said, it wasn't super thought out from a curriculum standpoint. I think that first year, you know, my mom tried to contact a bunch of people. She did some research. She tried to find some other people who were homeschooled and figure out what they were doing, what worked for them and found some online classes and just had a couple different hybrid systems. And so how old were you? You were, this was just junior high years. And did you, do you have any siblings? I do. So at the time I had two older brothers and a younger brother, which actually the first year I was homeschooled, my mom homeschooled the youngest as well. So both of us were homeschooled together for the first year. He ended up going right back to elementary school after that. But that was kind of a fun dynamic. There were a couple of classes that we did together, a couple of things we did separately. And But it was it was fun having him around. It made it a little bit less lonely. As I was kind of saying, my mom tried to do some research and find opportunities to maybe engage with other homeschooling students. Didn't really connect with a lot. As I mentioned, kind of a small town, wasn't really a popular thing to to be homeschooled. The only, <laughs> the only other kids that were at home were kids of drug addict parents that weren't enforcing them to go to public school. So really there's not, <laughs> not a lot of, not like, uh, not a lot of opportunity to find that. So having, having little bro with me, it was kind of fun for that first year. As things evolved, I think my mom learned that I was bright enough to just pick up the information on my own. And as I'd advance into higher classes, it was quicker for me to just take the book and learn the material than it was for her to learn the material first and then try to teach it to me. Mm-hmm. So education evolved to my mom driving to the high school, asking some of the teachers, hey, what are some books you use? Can I borrow a copy or find it on online? Brought it home and said, here's your textbooks. This high school class is probably going to get through this much of this book in the semester. So that's what I expect. And then from there, it was pretty much self-pay, self-study, which ended up proving to be pretty valuable to later on in college and dental school when I had to be able to just pick up a textbook and learn it on my own without... Sometimes you run into those teachers that are just not good teachers. They don't, those classes, I think for some students were a real struggle. And I feel like I had the skills to be able to say, I can sit at home on my bed and grab this textbook and learn what I need. I felt that many times in college as well. The, I think becoming a self-learner, and I've talked about this with so many guests now, becoming a self-learner is a often a byproduct of homeschooling. Not every time, right? Like no group's a monolith and we should always avoid generalizations, but I found it anecdotally to be pretty common in that homeschoolers tend to, I don't know, acquire self-learning skills pretty early on. And that often becomes a benefit down the road. I think my guest a little while ago talked about being a scrappy learner, where he just was a little bit scrappy. And then when he entered the system again, he learned that his scrappiness was good, but he had to channel it a little bit better because school tends to be very focused and very goal-oriented and homeschooling sometimes is a little, you know, it's less directed towards a specific goal. Can you explain what you mean when you say scrappy? Scrappy in the sense, well, that's a really good question, I guess. In public school, you are trained conventional thinking patterns and conventional learning, which is really great within the system, especially if you're pursuing a degree or something like that, like higher education, understanding conventional learning and how conventional thinking operates is really valuable. But his learning at home was him reading books, picking up material, self-teaching himself. And so he acquired this learning 
that was not conventional. It wasn't how, for lack of a better word, the system drove the learning. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I could probably relate in that, for example, I loved chemistry and I loved math. Some of those classes I would spend the most time on. And then another class that maybe didn't interest me as much, I could gloss over and I wasn't writing my own exam. So, you know, it was going to force me to learn one material over another. So in an informal setting, you can pick and choose more. Yeah, exactly. Let's back up in your story a little bit. So there's this issue between your family and the administration at the school. So your parents, because there were no other strong options, they decided to bring you home during those middle school, junior high years. Were you just okay with that? Or did you feel like that was fine? Was there any resistance? How did you, how did that feel as a kid? Did you want to come home? Initially, um, initially, no. Actually, I, I feel like in third and fourth grade in particular, I had made some really good friends and there wasn't a lot of turnover within the town. So pretty much everyone I knew from first or fifth grade pretty much stayed the same. Like the, the classes didn't change population very much. And so there's a little bit of, you know, I wanted to have kind of that circle of friends that I knew I wasn't going to see as much. There were a couple that I felt close enough with that I would be comfortable exchanging contact information and say going to their house to hang out during my homeschooling years so I could keep some of those some of those friendships going but for the most part that social interaction was going to go away and I initially was a little apprehensive about it and I don't think I recognized that I had as much of a need for that social element that I hmm. as as much as I re- actually did I think when I returned to school, a lot of that started to unveil and unfold that I had been deprived of some social exposure. For example, I think after after so many years of being homeschooled and doing everything on my own, learning a lot of just down to personal things like coping skills or just how you do things, how your habits develop, I kind of trained myself to think that I was this introvert and preferred to complete tasks, preferred to study on my own. But by the end of dental school, I could not pick up a textbook without having someone else in the room with me to study with me because I felt like I had developed more of that extroverted side of me Interesting. uh, that had been closeted up for most of that homeschooling experience. And I think a lot of it was subconscious until, but more later, I became more self-aware afterwards, after the event. You know, it's funny because... I feel like as I've gotten older, it took me a long time to separate shyness from introversion because I I am definitely introverted. I found as I've gotten older, I am pretty introverted. I think most of my family's introverted as well. I think just what I'm learning from our conversation and is highlighting that no two experiences are the same, obviously. And you and I would have had different needs growing up. I don't think I needed quite as much social interaction, but I also needed to work on my shyness, kind of like that self-confidence. But in my adult years, I kid you not, when COVID was like really heavy and everything was locked down, I was like, this is great for me. This is great. I love this. Just like so much me time. So I'm just kind of chuckling in that for me that I never really had that need, but for you, it was really important and you felt it during your homeschool years. That's interesting. I love hearing that contrast and that contrasting experience and personality. I feel like sometimes I can get painted or I can paint my experience in a negative light of, 
I needed this social interaction and I didn't get it. And yes, it did cause some difficulties. For example, the early college years, I, I struggled with having deep friendships. I just didn't really have a lot of friendships. There were friends that I hung out with, but walls would go up really quickly. I just didn't know how to trust people on that level because I hadn't really been used to that as much. So it took me a while to to learn how to develop that bubble from maybe just a few close friends to I can be close friends with a lot of people. I think I think one the point I wanted to make was to maybe highlight some of the sunlight <laughs> that could be cast upon that experience where there were some hard times in dental school throughout my life. There've been some it just challenges as as any human can face. Mm-hmm. And I think if I hadn't had that experience as a kid to have to solve my problems on my own, I would probably have a whole new set of problems. For example, COVID, you mentioned the world on lockdown, not a lot of, not as much interaction. You were so happy and thrived in that. That was not my environment. I felt the the effects of not having as much connection. However, I think because I had had so many of those years where I could just sit down and do something by myself, I picked up a hobby. I started woodworking and I spent hours in my garage learning how to woodwork. I bought the tools and obviously that's by yourself. I just put on some headphones, listen to some music and just tune out in the world. And and to this day, it's one of my favorite hobbies. I've built dressers and nightstands and headboards. And, and that is something that I think if I hadn't had as much time during my childhood, I might've just gone crazy or I don't know, like <laughs> gone into one, like, a Netflix binge phase where I just don't know what to right. do with myself and I need passive entertainment. What a good, good reflection, passive entertainment. There's so many things I want to say about your comments there. First is, and I just want to be clear. I mean, overall I was okay during COVID, but the first winter here in Oregon, I really, really struggled. It was really hard for me. So I don't want to, I, I, de- I definitely had some hard times, but as I looked at more, my more extroverted friends, I could see that I didn't have as much of a social need that needed to be fed. So it was a little bit softer of an experience for me. And then I totally agree. I think the process of learning how to learn and recognizing that you as a person, like little kid Jake learning chemistry and everything at home, and your mom just giving you the textbook, I think there's, there starts to build a self-confidence and an assurance that I can learn pretty much anything. If I just spend the time, buckle down, get the work done, I can learn almost anything that's out there. And I have found that as well. When COVID got heavy, I took up watercolor. I have not water, watercolored in a little while now, though. But just that process of feeling empowered to put myself in an uncomfortable situation, be bad at it for a little while and grow through that, I think is often the homeschool experience because you're teaching yourself a lot. I would 100% agree with that. I think that is something that anyone can learn whether they're in homeschool or not, but that is something that the setting or the environment of homeschool almost forces you to do a little bit more than public education. And I think that is a strong argument for both homeschool as well as extracurricular activities. Exactly. And what I would say as well is, you know, I I keep bringing this one guest, but something I love that she said, this is Brie Petty. I think it's it's got to be episode probably like 14 or 15. She brought up the concept of the homeschool mindset and the homeschool lifestyle in the sense that you can be homeschooled and still have a public school mindset, or you can be public schooled and have a homeschool mindset where that assurance that you can learn anything, that assurance that the world is forever interesting and you can always dig into something new and learn about it and you have 
all the tools you need in order to succeed at your endeavors. I think that confidence can perhaps come quicker in homeschool because <laughs> a lot of times you're kind of on your own for the learning experience, more so than not, I think, in the public school. Okay, let's kind of shift gears here a little bit. Last time we spoke, you mentioned that you did experience some, you just recognized when you went back to the system that there there were some gaps. You recognized those gaps. Were they detrimental gaps? What did you do to close them? Was it difficult? Okay, so there's a couple gaps. I would say, I won't lie and say that there were no educational gaps. Neither my, my mother, who did the bulk work of the organization for my homeschooling experience or myself who actually towards the end did most of the curriculum like I said self-study neither of us were perfect and so there were some subjects or some matters that I just did not quite get enough of for example I spent a lot of my time on STEM topics so science and engineering and chemistry I did not spend as much time on like English literature history those were not subjects that really jumped out to me and interested me at the time. So I didn't put forth the effort to really make that happen. And so I think that there's been some some gaps that later on I've had to go back and say, wait, what what was the timeline for this historical event that most people would know? So I would say educationally, some small gaps, but nothing consequential, really. I wouldn't say that there's anything that it's not like I'd never learned about the world wars or uh you know the the, the foundation of the united sure. states and, you yeah. know something that that could be pretty big i would say the bigger gap would have been in some personal development from a social standpoint i did have quite a bit of confidence in myself and i felt by the time i was in high school early college i was very confident in who i was and what my skills were my abilities to accomplish things to learn. I lacked a lot of confidence, however, in my interaction with other people. When we talk about insecurities, I think a lot of people's insecurities are based on others' view of them from like a personal standpoint. Like how much am I worth based on the people me looking at me? I never had that specifically. Like I wasn't insecure about what other people thought about me and I could kind of be whoever I wanted to be or do whatever I wanted to do and and not care what other people thought so I didn't adapt my personality to other people at all however in a social setting say like giving a public presentation or say a group of five people want to play volleyball and they need a couple others I had zero confidence in going up to them and saying hey can I join or should we grab this other person and that was something that took quite a bit of work, I would say I had a little bit of social anxiety that had Mm. developed just from not having any exposure to social situations. I didn't care what they thought of me as a person, like I said, but I did care about how my interaction with them would go. And I would be super nervous to even talk to people in certain social settings for a while. And and that took some work to, to get caught up on. A lot of what you're saying it's kind of reminding me of myself. I think I'm perhaps more self, like hyper self-aware. Like I'm very, very, like how am I holding my body? How am I standing? How was that the right word to say? And like, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's making me think about some of my efforts in understanding how to socialize. I don't know. I don't know. There's kind of a, but a lot of mine was driven by shyness and just not like having confidence in myself. One thing I really like about what you brought up is that you worked on it. You consciously 
kept putting yourself out there to work on those social skills. I really like that you recognize that these are painful interactions sometimes, but you mm -hmm. kept having them and you worked on it and they aren't as present anymore. Yes, that is definitely true. And I think there were kind of two driving forces. One was I recognized that it's going to be pretty important to have some social skills and be able to interact with people. I mean, that's, that's definitely an important attribute to have for the rest of your life. But two, it was also a need. Like I am a more extroverted person and, and need to have oh, that for sure. mental health. There's some people that can get away with, with a different lifestyle that doesn't involve as much social interaction. You know, we have classic stereotypes of, say a computer engineer who <laughs> code all day yeah. long and, uh -huh. and they have a long successful career and right. big changes. I mean, that's we're literally recording this on computers that someone had to do all the coding for and, and they can, you know, <laughs> you just stick them in the back room and they go to work and they're fine. Right. I knew that I couldn't make that decision. I had a little bit more of a need to mm. have social interaction. So that was another driving force and in, in my extroverted self and in, in needing for mental illness, having those skills present. I want to go back a little bit and comment on your awareness of the gaps that you had and pose a question to you. I, I want to pick your brain on this a bit. I think as you were describing gaps, something that I started reflecting on was to accept the notion that there are gaps, I think first you have to accept the assumption that there is a track that's more acceptable, that's defined, that every child or every student will learn these things at these times and these are the right times to learn them. Because as you were describing, oh, you know, there are some history gaps and everything, I thought, okay, well, why are they gaps? They're gaps because we're assuming that by 16 you should know X, Y, Z. And maybe that's not true. Like maybe it is okay to learn that whenever. So I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a baby thought in my brain, right? Like I just barely had this thought. I'm curious what your thoughts are though on the trade-off there. Do you think it's deeply detrimental to not worry about the gaps and let kids learn when they, when the interest is there, whenever it arises? I don't know. I, I feel a lot of trade-offs there. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm definitely going to have to contemplate this question a little bit. So if you come back and ask me in a couple of months, my answer might be slightly, <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll slightly give you different. <laughs> However, my answer as of right now would be to an extent, no, I don't think that it is. I think that challenging standards and norms is, is a very healthy thing for our society. I think that there's a lot of flaws in our public education system. And because it is so standard, we get used to it and just kind of look over things. However, I think as say, a homeschooling student or even a public school student who has challenged some of these traditions or, or patterns of education, what is appropriate to teach at what age, you know, what you need to learn. And they have like standardized tests to see how the nation is doing. Right, as right. we challenge that, as those people maybe get into office or hold different public positions, they can kind of improve the systems that we do have in place. And I think you mentioned a little bit ago how every student, every person is going to be a little bit different and needs to be, needs to kind of tailor their experience to their needs. I think there are some people that will not thrive in a homeschooling setting. And mm -hmm. as much as you try to help them out and you see the vision and think it's a great thing, it's not going to be a great thing for them. I could say the exact same thing about public school though. I think there's a lot of, of kids Actually, I'd probably put my dad as an example. He's a brilliant man, 
does not thrive in a school type setting. He was not homeschooled. He went to public school, ended up going to college and then dropping out. And then some of the works that he's done, he's had very educated people with a formal education. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's like, Highly credentialed. Uh, a, yeah, a state, a state recognized engineer came out and saw something, a bridge that he had built for work. He designed and built it. And he said, well, where did you get the plans for this? And he said, well, I built it. And he said, okay, no, I know you did the welding, but like, where <laughs> did you get the, where did you get the plans? And he said, no, I, I designed it. And he said, no, like, where did you get, like, what team of engineers did you buy this from? And he cool. said, no, I, I built this and I designed it. And they were blown away. They could not believe it. And so that is the classic personality or the classic person that will not thrive in a public school setting. They'll just be held back. They'll go to school for however many hours a day and just be haltered until they get home yeah, and right. really explore. And I think those people really do thrive in that setting. To answer your question, I think it is an excellent idea to to embrace challenging what like you said, what is actually a gap? What is okay not learning and, and maybe waiting for someone to be interested in something before trying to shove it down their throats. And I think that is a healthy approach with some obvious exceptions. I think there are some some materials that need to be taught so that people are kind of on the same page of things or so that say, for example, in a school setting, if someone never develops the interest post-school, they're never going to learn those things. And so there might be a couple critical bits of information that, right. you know, should be checkboxed. Yeah, I agree. I want to provide one qualifier in the sense that I think your homeschooling experience was very, very unique because it was from, it had a unique motivator to kind of bring you out of the system to avoid a kind of a hostile environment for you and then reintroduce you. And then additionally, it was such a small town, so small with such a weird name. You know, that, <laughs> that's like such a, a very niche experience. And so I guess the qualifier I'd provide is Today, homeschooling is so ubiquitous that you can, I think parents have more opportunities to feed that social, that real social psychological need that kids have. And knowing your student, your child, I did not need as much as my siblings. And so, you know, how much interaction, I think I had one of my early, earlier guests, her oldest son was in all these co-ops and like meetups and drop-offs and constantly with other kids in their homeschooling. But then her second daughter just was like not interested. She didn't want to go to the co-ops. She didn't want to, and I don't know, you know, if that's a personality thing or shyness or whatever, but I think that parents now have a lot more opportunities to, if they want to homeschool, if that's the right choice for your family, to meet that social need because it is very important and it is able to be satisfied. (laughs) Even as I say that, like your situation (laughs) You were from such a small community, so it was a lot more challenging. Definitely was. Definitely yeah. was. I had a quick thought, if you don't mind me sharing. Yeah, no, please. You mentioned ahead. the two siblings that had very different needs. Just a parent who is, is going to be in tune to that can recognize that that's a lot of work. Homeschooling your kids is, yeah. is a lot of work, and I don't want to discredit that at all. However, I think one of the common misconceptions and issues that I have with the idea of homeschooling is that if you do it wrong, or if you don't, if you're not involved enough, if you don't do it right, you can have all these negative impacts on your child, which I agree, I think is true. However, I think the cop out is if I send them to public school, I don't have to worry about that. And that is something hmm. that bothers me a lot. I think parents, if their reason for not homeschooling is they don't want to mess it up, or it's a lot of work, they really just don't have the resources to dedicate to making sure that it's done right. 
I think you really need to ask yourself some serious questions and be very careful about sending your kid to public school because there's going to be some involvement that you need to have. You can't use that as a cop-out to, to not be involved with your children. And I think it's almost as, if not more dangerous, having that mentality of sending your children to school because it's going to be less work. Ooh, what a hot take. I really like that. Staying involved with your child's education. Exactly what you're saying. If homeschool is not the right choice, either resources or you're just stretched thin or you want to do it, you know, whatever it may be, you still need to be involved in your child's education. Don't abdicate that ability to shape a life to an external system. So I really like that. I think that's very insightful. And either way, you know, with homeschooling, you can be more involved. In public schooling, <laughs> I don't use that as a cop-out to, to not be involved in your students' education. Okay, Jake, really appreciate your time. I don't want to go too much over. But yeah, I'm glad that uh, we were able to carve this out a little bit. I'm sure you're going to go out and hopefully chase the storm and get skiing this weekend or something. No, it's supposed to be incredible. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey listeners, if you enjoy the homeschool dropout, the best way to support the show and increase its value to you and other homeschoolers is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So head there now and we'll see you next week.